I'm Philippa Tolley, and you're listening to Insight from RNZ. This program explores the U.S. presidential race. The United States of America is in the grip of an exciting and dramatic contest to choose the next president. After the first and symbolically important caucuses and primaries, Donald Trump is building momentum for the Republican nomination, and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are battling it out for the Democrats. Billionaire businessman turned politician Donald Trump is a polarising figure. His comments on building a wall on the Mexican border, banning Muslims from entering America and his blunt approach generally have engendered growing consternation among his opponents and wild enthusiasm within his support base. But what's motivating voters to back candidates like Mr Trump and at the opposite end of the political spectrum on the left, Democratic candidate Bernie Sanders? They were initially dismissed as candidates unlikely to present any real challenge to their more experienced or high-profile rivals. People are furious, and an everyday person, the everyday working person, is mad and angry, and Trump is hitting that anger, and that's the phenomenon of Trump. I'm Jane Patterson, and for this insight I travelled to the United States to witness the start of the campaign for the Republican and Democratic nominations and to talk to voters about the candidates and how they view politics in modern-day America. That's probably a good idea, because you have to start with some lessons. I'm going to start again. you off with some lessons on snowboarding so you get it. And pick up any bad habits. Tia and Darren live in semi-rural Virginia and have two young children. So what is this average American family worried about? Do they believe any of the current candidates could solve those problems? They said access to good quality health and education, along with immigration and security, are the most pressing issues in their view. But Darren says politicians seem unable or unwilling to make any progress. But when it comes to medical industry and education, it's, I don't think there's an easy button. If we can't get both sides you know, the fence to start agreeing on things, you know, I'm not going to see any improvements. It's so far gone, in my opinion. Right? It's so bad. The influence of big money on the campaign, the candidates, and on whoever eventually becomes president is an oft-repeated concern expressed by American voters. Tia says that is a major source of voter resentment. The lobbyists in this country spend way more money than the, the individual person could ever, you know, that their influence is, is astounding. And it's really frustrating, and there, there are a lot of people that are angry, and that's why we have candidates that we have running. That's why there's such a stark contrast in, in our candidates now, and there's such a divide, because people are angry on both sides. Prior to 2010, corporates and unions could not donate unlimited amounts of money to influence elections, but that changed after a Supreme Court decision found that unconstitutional. That led to the creation of what are known as super PACs. Tia says the system is out of control. It's basically anonymous money that can come from anywhere and they can generate unlimited amounts of funds from uh, private interest groups and um, put, contribute to a campaign. And it provides a certain level of anonymity and 
uh, unlimited funding. And these are generally formed by people who have um, a, a goal, organizations that have a, an agenda. And in order to push their agenda, they form these alliances and they put their money together and then they supply that to the candidates in order to further their own agenda. And it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to me. Uh, it's, it's gone to such an extreme that we really need to do something about it quickly. So I'm a self-funder. I'm putting up my Donald Trump repeatedly makes the point he's using his own money to fund his campaign and is therefore not beholden to any big money interests. On the other side, the bulk of the money raised by the Democratic candidate Bernie Sanders is from smaller individual donations, which does make a difference to this New Hampshire voter. Well, he's an honest politician who wants to get big money out of politics and he wants to shake up the whole American system and we, we need that. So we need less, uh, you know, the Clintons are the... Uh, the representation of the establishment and uh, they don't represent working people's interests and Bernie does. Plymouth is a small university town in New Hampshire which hosted one of Donald Trump's rallies. I met Sue working in an artist's cooperative on the main street and asked her what she thought about the presidential contest. Donald Trump seems to be stirring up the entire presidential election um, in a rather interesting way. A lot of people are kind of interested in what he has to say right now because he actually is not a politician and is beholden to no one, which is kind of an interesting thing given what we have for choices politically. I don't think that the average American citizen is real happy with the choices that they have right now. Because there's so many problems within the government, I think people would like to see major change. It's uh, our Senate and Congress are a mess. The bipartisanship is a constant feud uh, where things just don't get done. Sue told me the current political climate means people are making quite different decisions than they have in the past. In days gone by, I would have certainly said I was a Hillary Clinton fan. Um, as time has gone on, I think the Clintons back in the White House would be a lot of pluses for a lot of Americans because they're known worldwide, they know everybody, they're in touch. But there's so many issues with them on so many different levels that I think a lot of people are kind of afraid of that too. So Sanders, I don't know. Him and Hillary seem to be very much the same in terms of their ideology. Um, and Trump is... I've never voted Republican, ever. But he's like a fresh face, and, and although I think his world politics might be a little scary um, because of the way he just speaks what he thinks without refining it at all, um, but I'm sure that if he was elected, he probably would surround himself with some pretty bright people. So there's a lot going on. You know, especially the downtown area. Just up the road, 22-year-old student Matt works part-time at the local laundrette. He says it's hard to make sense of what's going on. <laughs> like anything with politics, it's crazy right now. Everybody's bickering. You, you, it's so hard to figure out who's, you know, what you can t 
what's truth and what's a lie, you know, and it's, everybody's always pointing their fingers at each other and saying, you know, that person did this or that person did that, and it's like, yeah, but. Is there anyone you look at and you think, yeah, I wouldn't mind them as president? Uh, right now, I mean, I like Bernie right now. That might be because I'm a little optimistic and I think that he would do real well, but I don't know if he actually will do well or not, you know, it's... And his views on Donald Trump? I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, no. No, I'm not. I don't. He says stuff but doesn't really back it up with anything, at least not that I've heard. You know, he, he's, he has these grand plans, but he doesn't really say how he's going to implement them, you know, and and he, he just sort of relies on, well, we're going to make America great. And it's like, that's great, but what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really say anything, at least not that I've heard. I struck up a conversation with Shirley Kappas at San Francisco Airport. She's 66 and was brought up in Texas. Mrs Kappas told me there's a ground swell of anger among American people that's benefiting politicians like Donald Trump. They're angry at politicians saying they're going to do things, they're going to do what the people want, and then they go to Washington and they don't. They do what big business wants and they feather their own nest. And people are furious. And Trump is hitting that anger. Do you think that's allowing him to maybe get away with rhetoric without people looking more deeply, actually, about other aspects of a potential presidency under Donald Trump? Oh, absolutely. He says things that people don't like, even his followers, but they're like, well, I don't care. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. And she says despite having had a black president in office for the last eight years, she believes race relations are another major source of tension. I think it has gotten considerably worse. I think all nations are racist to somewhat because that's just the way some people are and it's never going to change. But overall, and I mean, I grew up in the heart of Texas, which has a lot of black people. I never thought anything of it. My best friend was black. My kids' friends were black. And never really thought anything of race. I knew it existed, the problems. And when Obama got elected, I didn't like him because I didn't like his voting record. That's what I didn't like. I did not like him. He's very personable. But I was worried because of his record. But when he came in, I thought, well, at least this will show the world that we're not racists here and it'll help calm our country down somewhat. But it's done the opposite. How has that affected the relationship between blacks and non-blacks in the U.S.? I think because things have gotten so much worse and some blacks, as there are some whites, have this sense of entitlement, but now they're more emboldened, like the Black Lives Matter. Well, some politician, I think it was Bernie Sanders, I'm not sure it was a prominent one, said all lives matter. Well, he ended up having to apologize, and I'm like, you have to apologize because you say all lives matter, so only black lives matter? As you knock on doors, I want you to challenge your neighbors as well to do what Iowa does best, and that is to lift up a new leader for our country. Martin O'Malley was one of the Democratic hopefuls, but dropped out of the race after a poor showing in the Iowa caucuses. The day before the caucuses, I asked Mr O'Malley about the racial rhetoric driven by political debate over immigration, security and terrorism. Look, the, uh, the most important office in our country is the office of citizen. 
And every citizen has a responsibility to push back against racist appeals and overtly fascist appeals like the ones we're hearing from Donald Trump. And I believe that people will. Uh, the truth can defend herself, but she needs to be stated first. And so uh, all of us as, as candidates, I think, have a responsibility in both parties to push against that sort of, uh, that sort of poisonous uh, uh, language. So do you think some of that rhetoric is irresponsible? I think it's, I think it's extremely irresponsible. I think it's not in keeping with, with who we are as a people. Thank you for greeting us today. Right, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Madam, for your kind encouragement. A caucus voter. Undecided one, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Martin O'Malley came across Don Sapienza, an Iowan voter, while out door knocking. I asked Mr. Sapienza whether he agrees with how America is being represented to the rest of the world. Now, in fact, when I traveled internationally, uh, it was more about the ugly American and the, some of the things that we had done um, in people who were traveling, Americans who were traveling uh, had a very uh, bad image. And uh, that was something I tried to do as I traveled internationally was um, show that we're, we're not a bunch of scoundrels. We're not a bunch of uh, ne'er-do-wells. We don't wear brass gold buttons and uh, flaunt our uh, our riches. We, we are a country of, of moderates who really do want to have a global perspective. I met Josh Cobbs at a rally for Ted Cruz, one of the Republican candidates. He told me his major concern is with illegal immigration. And I believe that coming across our borders are folks that we don't know, okay? Um, I've seen videos where people will dress in an Obama, put a, a, a Osama bin Laden mask on, go down to the Rio Grande River, cross it and come back in and nobody's in sight. So that's, I think, that the national feel is we don't know who's coming in. And we know for a fact for San Bernardino, what happened in Paris, that there are terrorists coming in. So I don't know that I'll go so far as Trump, but what I believe that Ted Cruz wants to do is stop illegal immigration. But the bottom line is we don't know who's coming across our border. And I think that's the national outcry right now. We want to know because we don't want terrorists coming in. Across town, the Democratic candidate and the Senator of Vermont, Bernie Sanders, was directly challenging Donald Trump's comments on banning Muslims from entering the US and building a wall on the Mexican border. Among his supporters was a 30-year-old Muslim woman, Nadia Agram, who says a lot of what's said is simply fear-mongering. You know, the, to, to pin those of us of the Muslim religion uh, as the other, as something to be afraid of, um, it's, it's disheartening to see, especially considering this country was founded on immigrants. It was founded by people who were escaping religious persecution, and they are seeming to want to do the exact same thing that so many people fled England from. They want to appeal to people's inner darkest fears, which is sad and quite pathetic, quite honestly, that they have to resort to something like that. Um, but the response to people like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, who may be a more elo eloquent speaker, but 
quite frankly, his ideas and his policy stances are the exact same as Donald Trump. The response to those ideas that Muslims should be banned from this country or, you know, Mexicans only send rapists and murderers has been really encouraging to see the vast majority of people in this country and around the world actually stand up against that rhetoric is really encouraging. 23-year-old Malu Abaka is a second-generation Latino-American and also a Bernie Sanders supporter. She says in her circle of friends and family, the racial rhetoric has served to unite people. And there are younger people who may not be eligible to participate in the caucuses or in the general election, but because they've been disrespected and their families have been disrespected, it's been something to unite us all and get people who for, formerly were not interested in politics to actually pay attention. Do you think it will um, make race relations any worse in America with the way the politicians are talking? I think that the way that some politicians, particularly on the Republican side, um, are talking about race is dangerous because I think it feeds into a lot of people's fear. I think particularly with, um, for example, with ISIS. Everyone is really concerned about potentially inviting refugees into this country that could pose some danger. Um, we know that uh, nothing's ever happened. Iowa has been accepting refugees since the 80s, and that's never been a problem. On the outskirts of the city of Richmond, Virginia, is the United Nations Church International. It's headed by Medina Pullings and her husband, Bishop Oren K. Pullings. Last year, a large group of black church leaders went to see Donald Trump in New York to discuss with him the racially charged statements he'd been making. Bishop Pullings was one of those leaders, and I asked him which issues worried voters in his community. What's affecting my community is um, jobs, police brutality, and poverty level has to really um, uh, be lowered. And we're looking for a president that could possibly do things like protect us from our own police departments and within our community. Um, it is a lot of crime amongst our community as well, and it's a lot of crime toward our community by the police. And so we need a president that's really going to lock down on police brutality and um, get us jobs and um, bring some prosperity to my communities. There's been a black president for eight years. Has Barack Obama made the situation better for your community? You know, it's hard to say. Um, things have gotten worse, actually, as it comes to police brutality. The economy has bounced back a lot better under Barack Obama. I've got to say that gas prices are much lower. And um, so when it comes to that, yes, Barack has done a lot. On the police brutality issue, I don't think he's vocal enough. He says the two candidates he's considering most closely are the Republican Marco Rubio and the Democrat Hillary Clinton, but he hasn't yet decided. As for Donald Trump, Bishop Pulling says while he has been successful in business, he has concerns about some of his personality traits. He's a, you know, he's a man, he's a self-made man, and um, he's unapologetic. He's, um, you know, he can be, come off to be disrespectful, come off to be, you know, arrogant and inconsiderate at times. You know, I don't know what kind of change he'll bring. I, I'm, I'm concerned and nervous if he became president, you know, who he would make mad, I guess. 
So I guess that would be my concern. What country would he make mad enough to do something to the United States of America? Would he be divisive racially as well, given his past rhetoric that he's been campaigning on? It seems to be that way. I don't know for sure, but it seems to be that way. You know, when he gets up there and gets to start speaking and, and saying certain things, you know, it's demeaning to people. It, it, it embarrasses people. It, it hurts people. And so, you know, he's got to balance that out. Whether he's an evil person, I don't, I don't think that's the, 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 the thing. I think he's just a 70-year-old man that's stuck in his ways and he's going to say what he wants to say and don't care who likes it or who doesn't like it. On the Republican side, the main race at the moment is between Donald Trump, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. The Cruz supporter Josh Cobb says he likes how that candidate is willing to take on the political establishment. You know, this nation, America, was built on freedom, liberty and not capitulation by uh, politicians. It was really a nation of the people, by the people, for the people. And uh, Ted Cruz brings that back to the White House if he's in there. He, he restores the rule of law. He um, loves, again, the Constitution. All of the Bill of Rights, the 10 Bill of Rights, our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, freedom to right, you know, keep and bear arms. These are just timeless principles. And, you know, so many politicians these days think, oh, well, that, that was good back 250 years ago, but it's not good for today. No, that was good then and it's good now. Paula Maxheim was also at the Cruz rally, but she was still undecided, although she had made up her mind about Mr. Trump. Absolutely not. Uh, I, my, I don't think it's Christian principles. I think I, I just don't sense that he has this. When he said, the first meeting I went to, that he never forgave anybody, one of the basic principles of Christianity is forgiveness. And he's always, if you'll notice, he goes, well, you ought to forgive me, or you ought to forgive somebody, but then he doesn't forgive. And this bothers me a lot. Kathy Tritton is a Republican voter and supports Marco Rubio. She believes he could appeal to a broad range of voters once the Republican and Democratic candidates go head to head. Um, I think that he's electable. I think it's really important to have someone in the general election that can beat whatever Democrat is put up against them. And I feel like he can energize the party, um, bring in the youth and uh, also the Hispanic population. So I feel like he is the one that can um, bring us all together. Vernon Houston says he's not a fan of Donald Trump, but is voting strategically. I voted for Trump. I actually changed my mind this morning from Cruz to Trump this morning. So uh, people do change their mind. I've never changed my not mind before uh, this late in the campaign, though. And what prompted you to change your mind this time? I just think he's the man that's going to win. I, that my biggest desire is to find the, the Republican that can beat the Democrats in the fall. And thinking about it, I think he, he is the one that, that can do it. That's why I changed to him. Not that I like him personally that much. Daniel Arthur believes Mr. Trump could do a good job economically. His business acumen will essentially allow for the stock market in the United States to go up probably, I would arguably, at least 20, 25 percent up just in psychology alone. And also that will probably help all the Western economies quite a bit. But uh, the, the bigger picture is we need people that understand the business part of it and that are willing to delegate 
to very smart people as well, and he does delegate a lot very effectively. So I'm very confident that he will delegate properly some of these things, as well as command and lead the Western economy to a more positive outcome. We got buttons here, guys. Shirt cheer. Go ahead, ISIS, make my day. Trump 2016 shirt cheer, guys. I asked Trump supporters arriving at a rally in New Hampshire why they were backing the New York-based billionaire. Oh, I think he's a very entertaining guy. I, I think he, uh, he has the possibility of being a good president, and uh, he's addressing problems that are pertinent in the country right now. A little more forthright than a lot of the others, but very interesting. I think he is... Um, I like how he is not politically correct. Um, I like how he says it, how it is, how he says the truth, and um, I like his strength and what I think he's going to do to help change this country and make it great again. Hi, welcome. Hello. Are you in 47? Yes. Excellent. What's your last name? Delia. The Iowa caucuses represent the first formal vote in the nomination contest for both the Republican and the Democratic candidates. The Republicans had a lot broader field, and in each precinct, voters just had to write the name of their preferred candidate on a piece of paper, which were then tallied up at the end. The Democratic caucuses are an entirely different affair. What are you concerned about? What are you most interested in? Because with that, we can answer any question that you might have. In each precinct, voters gather in the corner of their preferred candidate. If one candidate does not reach 15% support, those voters are fair game for the other supporters. In this instance, an O'Malley supporter asked the Clinton camp to make the case. What's the number one reason not to go over to Sanders? Oh, good question. I'm not sure he's a uniter. In that caucus, the Bernie Sanders camp won by just one vote over Hillary Clinton, 84 to 83, reflecting the tight race both candidates are still locked in. We have members in over 190 countries. We have fully-fledged committees. Like Kate Alakian is based in Wellington and is the chairperson of Democrats Abroad. It's an official arm of the Democratic Party outside the US with the ability to hold a nomination ballot and send delegates to the national convention. She says the race is also being keenly watched by Americans around the world, including in New Zealand, with the obvious focus for Democrats on that party's two main candidates. A year ago we probably wouldn't have expected there to be a real contest at this point, but there is. And because there is, people recognise that it is very important to cast that vote and make their voice heard. What about on the Republican side? The fact that Jeb Bush is no longer a candidate is surprising. The fact that we have a reality TV star who seems to have no filter on his mouth is, is pulling ahead of everybody else is perplexing and a little bit embarrassing in some respects. The next big date on the presidential nomination contest calendar is Super Tuesday this week, where 15 states, including Texas, Virginia, Vermont and Georgia, will have their say. Because of New Zealand's geographic position, Democrats abroad will stage the world's first primary ballot for Super Tuesday in Wellington, where the polls will be open for 19 minutes for registered Democratic voters. I'm Jane Patterson, and that's Insight for this week. My trip to the US was funded by a grant from the United States State Department. 
If you have any thoughts, it would be great to hear from you. You can contact us on email at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is insightrnz. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philip Tolley with technical production by Phil Benge.